0: And Welcome into Eleven Personnel. After many years of blood, sweat, and tears, we have made it to episode 100. Woo! Yeah! We did it! <laughs> I, I, I should probably insert some sound effects there, but luck it we did it. I'm Nick Roush, Adam Luckett. 100 episodes of Eleven Personnel.
1: Uh, we are now no longer a football number for podcast episodes. We've made it. We, so we was, have made it. I, I'm trying to think. Our first episode was like after media days, 2019. So almost two years to the date. Mm-hmm. We're about a month out. From, I think our first episode was that when, right when you came back from, I think it might've been Atlanta that year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It would have been Atlanta. So that uh, was when we were doing things in person and of course, as soon as we go back to in person, that's when the technical difficulties yeah. happen. So, like, we can't escape these damn things. Right. But we, we appreciate y'all for, for joining us along on this ride. Uh, it, it's one of those things, too, that you don't. Uh, I don't know. I just forget that people actually listen to this. I, I know that I should be, <laughs> like, I, I, that, that sounds like you should be a better salesman and stuff like that. But I I forget about it until people say nice things to us and say, hey, you all do a great show or something along those lines. And we really do appreciate it um, because uh, sometimes you just get caught up in the grind and it can feel a little thankless at times. So we really do appreciate all of y'all support uh, and just for listening to us talk ball a little bit because... Hell, we'd probably do this just by ourselves, even if nobody was listening. So it means a lot that y'all have been here for the first 100 episodes. And if y'all stick around a little bit longer, maybe we'll have an, 100 more episodes.
1: Hope so. Maybe we can get a banner in the bar. We've got uh, Harley committed up there. Maybe maybe 11 personnel could take its place. Or the baseball we- podcast. <laughs> you defunct ones are up there. Maybe we can get our own sign
0: we actually had a sign for the depth chart podcast when Freddie was working with the football team. So, Hey, that wasn't even happening at the time. So, uh, man, it's, it's, well, Hey, we've made it. We're, we're kicking we're still moving and grooving and hopefully we'll be able to get through episode 100 without some technical difficulties, but who knows, uh, as I like to say, who knows it's nebulous. Either way, we're going to have some fun. It's been a busy recruiting time but first and foremost i gotta start with some things that happened over the weekend uh we re- recruiting messed up our recording schedule so i didn't get luck locks for the u.s open <laughs> and that was the first time i finished out of the money in my pool so what the hell Luckett? come on
1: i know i'm sorry man i hit on the last two missed this week just it was um I'm trying to think of the right words to one. I don't know. Like Brooks should be an automatic top 10 play in every PGA and US Open. I need to just stop messing around like that should be automatic. And then I, Rom was one I can, I did consider him to win, but I thought the odds were a little too high. So I went with Rory who was in contention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: but, but yeah. And then Patrick Reed, I, I picked him there just basically because he played well there earlier this year at Tory. But I think a th- fun U.S. Open. That was a pretty cool Sunday. I think if you're in the golf at all, oh, you had yeah, a pretty stacked leaderboard with some big names, and you didn't really know who was going to win there until, till I would say Rom got hot there on the. I guess the last five holes.
0: Well, it was uh it was one of those things too, like it. Where yes, I did take your Rory pick, so that did work well for me. It's just when you do those pools, if you have anybody that doesn't make the cut, you're kind of screwed, and I had two, and it's just ah. There were some guys I had in there that were in contention for a while, but yeah, um, selfish notes aside, it's so much fun when you've got, you know, eight, nine hole, like they were coming around the turn and Bryson had the lead. There's, it was him and somebody else at five under, and then like eight guys at four under. And you just didn't know what was going to happen. And what ended up happening is pretty much everybody choked, everybody screwed up except for Rob. Who got hot and it was great that he ended with two putts and dude, those fist pumps! I mean, you want to talk about some all time fist pumps? That's how you win a freaking major is you fist pump your way to glory. Yeah,
1: you just had the two clutch putts. Uh, The one on seventeen was awesome, and I believe on seventeen was awesome. And then on eighteen, yeah, no, I don't. I didn't. I wasn't expecting him to make it, and he drained it. And really, that was because it was going. It's going to playoff if that that put pressure on who mm-hmm. who is the the ultimate what-if career oh, in golf
0: he's, he's got, always the bridesmaid man
1: he's got seven top two finishes in majors but only one major championship <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's been, been a runner-up runner runner. six times twice this year in the pga and now the u.s open that is just was it the brutal. pga
0: was it the pga or the masters it was pga oh either either way like poor louie um uh, I I do like, though, that Rom, you know, he had the COVID thing a few weeks back and then his kids there, you know, so he gets first Father's Day and the US Open really is just ultimate Father's Day. I mean, it was such a great, great sports day for dads out there because you had that and then you got to go home and watch. like I, I was out with some friends. And we were flipping channels between that while like the wives watched the kids and I mean so it was perfect sports afternoon and then on top of your boy Bryson just blowing up and what what did he shoot six over on the back or something ridiculous it was terrible
1: yeah he ended up shooting a seventy seven I think but he had he he dropped like an eight on like fifteen or something Ugh, and he had a bunch love of love to see it
0: yeah so he blew up, he choked it away. And then Ben Simmons just, I mean, it, terrified to shoot a basketball. Not a good thing uh, if you're a basketball player. I know we're a football podcast and we'll get to football recruiting and the like, but that dude was seeing ghosts out there. And it brings me to a discussion that I'd like to have because I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't feel this way in all sports. I really love watching it in golf. I love watching yeah. players just melt away because I, I think it's very relatable. But there's something about it too where I just love hating on Ben Simmons and the fact that he's like a foot taller than Trey Young and Trey Young's just like trying to fight him and he's just jacking up forty footers even though he's one for nine. Like there's something I love about that guy winning and over the guy who is afraid to shoot a layup and. I, I, it it, it, it bade me the question to ask. In the world of college football, we've seen some meltdowns. Uh, and there's there's multiple aspects we can take this. But first, I want to start with Simmons. His inability to just shoot. I mean, he had the worst playoff free throw percentage in the history of NBA playoffs, at so like 32%. Can you think of a player in college football or even just an event where – the players just can't get out of their own way and just blow up inexplicably?
1: Well, uh, Kirby Smart in the 2018 SEC Championship game, he runs that weird fake punt. Georgia's in total control. They put in Jalen Hurts, and they just, like, forgot how to play football. And Alabama comes storming back and wins the game. Obviously, that adds up there. I'm trying to think some bigger moments where there's been some chokes. Um, West Virginia, they were going to go to the championship one game one year with Rich Rod. They played Pittsburgh and couldn't move the ball in offense, an offense that scored like 50 points per game. And they, like, when they had Pat White and all them, and Pittsburgh ups, like a five and seven Pittsburgh team upset them. I think more, I don't know if it's individual player in football. I think like in the NFL, you can get more into that, like in the playoffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think for more in college football, it's more probably coaching.
0: Like what? Yeah. Well, and, and that's actually – that's the thing that's nice is you can bring up uh, the coaching aspect of it too because Doc Rivers has lost 29 elimination games yeah. in his coaching career, which is – ins- I mean, he's, he's coached for a long time. He's won a finals. So, like, it's- obviously you're going to have more opportunities, but some of his losses are just so, so bad.
1: It's twofold because, one, that you've had a career where you can be in that many elimination games – like, you've had a lot of really good teams to even mm. to do that. And then, number two, it's been – you would have, like, a what if. Like, if he – you know, how many more championships would he have or – Right, right. You know, what not. Yeah. That, that is – especially with the Clippers, like, making the conference finals this year, the, the year after he leaves, without <laughs> Kawhi Leonard beating the number one overall seed. Yeah, that was – yeah, that's not a good look there for Doc because you. Got, I think he, A lot of people just blamed it on you know the, the Clippers are just jinxed or whatever, mm-hmm. and now it, you know he's they're they're in the conference finals without Kawhi. It's a right. not exactly not for the
0: Doc case. there, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, well, I, I know we don't have a lot of players we can point to, because I think the thing with in, in Simmons's case that it really is in his head, and he keeps just kind of repeatedly messing up, and it's one of those things that. Kind of has to get in there to be able to mess up. So um, there's really one in Kentucky football history that comes to mind. And I don't remember. You're going to have to help me remember who was actually playing the spot because it was that 2017 Florida game when Kentucky could not get the snaps right. And for whatever reason, Schwarman was hesitant to throw bunchy in Drake Jackson. Was it Bunchy or was it Nick Hayes? It was Bunchy. At center, that game. God, that was, that was bad. That was a bad example. That was one where it's like, if you all just figured this out, then the game could be won.
1: Yeah, we could do an oral history on that game. (sighs) Because of all the stuff that happened with the snaps. Um, And then remember, I don't know if you remember this, like Bunchy Stallings like lost his mind on the field. Like he wanted to fight a Florida player. Um, I think because they said something about his mom and his mom was sick or something. Yeah. Yeah. and then, uh, yeah, the the whole. I think why you've got a. Uh, I, I can't remember if um. The the left guard you just said was it Lewis? What was the left guard saying? Uh,
0: Nick Haynes. Nick Haynes. Yeah, he had the whole.
1: Well, well, like, but you also had his diabetes situation.
0: Yeah, and he, he lost shouldn't have even. Weight. He
1: shouldn't have even been playing. I mean, yeah. like, and he was giving it his all. He just didn't have, didn't have it. And after that, they really that was the last game he really played. So, you had the center snap uh, The center snap exchange was a mess. Um, Haynes lost all this weight. And then you had not covering the receivers. Um, and then Florida making a quarterback change. I mean, there was like 800 different things that went on in that game.
0: Um, yeah, and you still could have won it, and then except Haynes got that hold that put Kentucky out of field goal range. I mean, yeah, which despite all like, the disasters. A, it could have <laughs> been a
1: holding call on it. Like, it, I thought it was kind of a – Oh, it was cheap. Bang. Yeah. Bang. Bang. I don't know if you could call that there, but yeah. Yeah. Just, and then I think the Simmons thing, like, it's hard to like compare that to sport and anything. Um, obviously, golf, it's there. I think you could do tennis. So, individual sports. The only real, like, I guess you can compare it to like pitcher and a kicker, um, would be the only one I could compare it to. It's where you have to, like, you have to put a ball in a certain place. So, like, You got to put the ball in the hole in basketball. You got to put it through the uprights, and you got to hit the strike zone. So I guess that would be the only only real comparisons to that, which Which is just weird. That Simmons is still pretty good, that but that has this issue. It's really kind of rare. You don't see that.
0: No, no, no. Sports. No, you see it like like you said, Alabama kickers, just all of them. Um, I I think they all fit in this category. You had your wide rights, which I didn't. For whatever reason, I didn't realize those that was back to back years, and I mean, I just can't even imagine yeah. having to deal with that as a Florida State fan in back to back years, one versus that, two, and you just blow yeah. it.
1: A summer b- blog post would be like, what would the reaction be if Twitter was around for these specific moments? And that that's one the back to back to back years wide right just Twitter just would have been
0: nuclear and, and what's crazy too is scott Nor- norwood start that was 91 the spring of it and that was in tampa and i mean and, and I know tallahassee isn't necessarily tampa but you were talking about three infamous kicks in the state of florida all within 18 months of one another just pretty crazy oh uh, oh wait you know what one choke job we forgot like it what's that do you remember that time that uh Lamar Jackson did the Heisman pose? Yeah, that's another one, and then he he fumbled the ball and then they lost the game. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, oh, we couldn't forget that one or the man, William
1: Gay jump off sides.
0: Okay, that one is an all time because Louisville fans it was, it was very similar that was to the West Virginia one where the big east. They had those three teams. Uh, they would just rotate between them. And every year, they mm-hmm. thought they were going to get a team in the BCS championship game. And Wolf fans were convinced that they were going to win it all that year. And William K. jumps off sides. And I think his name was Ito, was the kicker's name. He missed it. yeah. And then his second try, he got to make it, which is just, oh, they were mm-hmm. chopping away that night in Piscataway. Yeah. You you actually mentioned that not, West Virginia. Away, we'll game. never forget. Pat McAfee was the mm-hmm. guy was the guy kicking. He actually had a chance to win that game and they blew it. Oh man. That just it's being a kicker. I I I pity those guys. <laughs> those dudes. Yeah, because that happened.
1: The Louisville the Louisville Ruckers moment was 06, and then the West Virginia pit was 07. Yeah. Just two wild years in college football.
0: Oh, yeah, especially 07 with all the different number ones and number Mm -hmm. twos, uh, I mean, did, did, am I right? Did they do a 30 for 30 on that year?
1: They SB nation did like a big one summer. They wrote about like history about it and had a bunch of like different, you know, they went back and interviewed a bunch of people about different game results and saying it was a great history in college football, something like that.
0: Yeah. Cause I could see that being a, I mean, if not a 30 for 30, like one of those, um, ESP and storied or something like that, just because it was so much insanity. But we do need to bring up coaches because I completely forgot about that fake punt. Was that, was that the one where the dude? No, uh, there was also a fake punt. Didn't Mac Jones, uh, Nick Saban tried a, a fake punt against Clemson in the championship game and Mac Jones? Yeah, just that's got another smashed? one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. In 2018 championship. Yeah.
0: But I know Florida fans would love to bring up. Georgia coaches because I want to say that Mark Richt had a lot of those kind of moments where Georgia could have gone to the national championship and then they lose a game they shouldn't have at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, theirs was more that they did laying eggs. like come out and lay an egg in the middle of nowhere. Like, what are Uh, we doing
0: here, Clemsoning? That was the thing for the longest time. Mm Hmm. Which I. I can't. I can't even name those games for like like which opponent it was because it really was just throw your dartboard at your random ACC coastal team and Clemson would just find a way to lose the one inexplicably.
1: Yeah, that that was like the beginning of the Dabo era. I think like 2011 to 2014, that was the thing, and then. They finally figured it out.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's safe to say they figured it out. Uh you know who hasn't figured it out? (laughs) (laughs) One person that hasn't figured it out though, and I think this is the Doc Rivers or the uh Ben Simmons of all of this. Mike Leach cannot beat his rivals. Yeah. Did he ever even beat Washington?
1: That's a good question. I think they got him once, like his first year. I think and they upset Washington. I think it was his first year, but I think that was before Peterson got there.
0: But I mean, he I'm just pull, something pull that up. Something about Mike Leach and the rivals, and and it, it's it's almost like how Patino was with Calipari, where it got built up to be such a big thing that it it became its own obstacle, its own hurdle. So, I, uh, I. I and, and that's kind of how it is with Simmons, where it's more of a mental thing than anything. The last time I think Leach even played against Washington, he just lost it in the post-game press conference. Like, went on this big rant about yeah, we kept getting. He kept getting asked about it, and he just got
1: fed up with it.
0: <laughs> he lost his mind. So uh,
1: Washington State beat them in 2012, which was Leach's first season. And that's it. And he lost
0: every uh, from there on out. So, I mean... I can't think of it, of an instance where you have a coach who just can't get out of his own way better than that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really
1: can't. Not one of the games was in single digits. They were all double-digit losses. I'm looking at it right here. God, That's bad. 27-17, 31-13, 45-10, 45-17, 41-14, 28-15, 31-13. That 2018 game was when they had Minshew and they had a chance to – like, they were in playoff contention, and they mm-hmm. played on, like, uh, Black Friday night, and it was, like,
0: snowing, and it was just never really even close. And they didn't end up uh, – I think that took them out of Rose Bowl contention as well.
1: I think so. I think that yeah, sounds right.
0: Which which was real brutal. Um, there's one other I, I did need to bring up because it was very fun to watch back in the day. But Ohio State, th- they had some sort of mental hurdle with – the SC, I, I mean, I don't think it actually happened that often. I really think it was just that Florida championship game and maybe one or two others. They lost to LSU. LSU they played LSU. But yeah. did they have any others? I just know that we had a, a teacher who was a Ohio State fan, and we just love to say that, oh, man, if only they were as fast as the SEC athletes. I mean, we just love to yeah. stick it to them. But I don't think it, was, it happened that often. I think
1: that's – I think that's really it. I remember they played Arkansas a uh, one year in, like, the Sugar Bowl and beat them. And I think that was, like, a big deal because they got
0: an SEC win. Oh, the old Ron Mallett, Bobby Petrino, Arkansas?
1: Yeah. Oh, man. Because in 08, they got – they played Texas in the bowl game. I'm just kind of going through Trestle's years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was just the national
0: championships, really. So, I think to sum this up, Ben Simmons, all-time choked guy. I mean – this is going to be a. I know my dad would always point to John Vandeveld because I think he hit three into the water in the open in '97. Or mm-hmm. it was Greg Norman's out there too. Yeah. Well, those are the, the two big ones uh, in the world of golf, just total collapses. Uh, you don't get it as much in college football except blaming kickers. And hey, they're college kickers. So we'll, we'll take it relatively easy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think there's, if you dig, digged into it you could find some
0: some coaching moments that are really head-scratching for sure yeah luckily we can't say too many about mark stoops except the damn 2017 Florida game. that one it's a really good thing that they came out and won it the next year because if that was still i mean you want to talk about uh <laughs> it'd be awfully difficult to to keep moving forward if that streak was still around yeah no doubt no doubt all right, well, w- enough of that. We got to get on to recruiting because it's been a busy week since we spoke last. Uh, and, and the thing about that camp like is I felt like when we t- spoke last Sunday night, we were only kind of digging into the surface of, of, of kind of unpacking everything that happened that weekend. All of the visitors that, that were in town and all of the other guys who have since traveled to Kentucky. And I... Mm-hmm. I, I I want to start just kind of go working our way backwards to get us up to date because there were a lot of guys on campus that weekend uh, that are worth mentioning. I, I spoke to Tyree spherebury after his visit and as much as I like watching him on tape like it, I don't feel great about where Kentucky is there simply because I just, it yeah. feels like it's hard to going to be hard to just a prime out of Pittsburgh.
1: All signs point to Pittsburgh, right? They've had draft success with defensive line players. Mm-hmm. Um, he had that um, – the quote about – I think he told you, uh, you know, it was kind of a small – like, I'm not used to, like, a smaller town, big mm-hmm. city vibe or something. Yeah, that that that's kind of a sign, I think. But, yeah, well, I mean, he, we'll see. Recruiting he, can get wild, but I think Pittsburgh should be probably considered the heavy favorite as we stand right now.
0: He was impressed that the coaches were recognized, I, I think in a pro sports town, yeah, you're already sure coach being a big deal. So that stood out to him. But I think all in all, that one that's going to be probably a, a tough sell. Um, now, I, I, in in the other, I, I didn't get a lot of uh, of vibes one way or another with the other official visits from that weekend. Like that, there there wasn't anything that you know. We got the usual. Oh, it was a good visit. But there wasn't a hard sell. I know at the time we thought that Quentin Conley uh, might pop because he didn't have much else set up down the road. But I don't I don't foresee that happening right now. So I, I really think the status quo has kind of been maintained elsewhere for the rest of the guys that visited that second weekend in June.
1: Yeah, but nationally, you're starting to see a lot of commitments pop off um, like they're happy. There's like it, it was slow for a while because people waiting for this June recruiting period to start to get out there on the road. Um, now, from Kentucky's point, they've kind of had got most of their work done before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, yeah, I think they're I think we're looking at a smaller class here, like 17, 18, I would imagine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they are They're. They got 10 commitments right now. So they do need to, they're getting into a point where they need to be selective. Right. They go after what commitments they accept, um, making sure they're hitting all all their positional needs for the roster, all of that good stuff. So I think that's why maybe we're not seeing some commitments. Yeah. Cause I think Conley is probably one that I thought they might push for, but it did not happen. Um, Yeah. Now there are, there are some, there are some announcements coming in July. Um, Ryan Bear is a big one who just visited this past weekend. Drew Bobo is another offensive lineman who wants to announce in July. Um, so we're we're going to start to see some some action here soon. But for right now, I think they're just they're just strategically planning how they're going to fill out the rest of that that class. And so I think that's maybe why we haven't seen a commitment here in a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I I don't blame. I, I think if I'm a kid, that's smart timing is to to do all your visits, take
1: a week, and yeah,
0: yeah, because that's. Uh, in Bears' instance, he was he uh, he told Tennessee to kick rocks, switch his plans, and is going to Notre Dame mm-hmm. uh, at the end of it. Which that could, I think that could be a pretty significant player in this. Like
1: yeah, I think all signs point to it. Kentucky, Notre Dame. Um, it's going to come down to how that visit goes in South Bend. Um, but but uh, Zach wrote a piece on Brian Bear today at, on the website. KentuckySportsRadio.com. Um, he's got some stuff in there from his dad. I think they they really like what Kentucky is selling. Um, he got to meet Keontae Goodwin. Lynn Bolden was in town.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's the kid they, they really want. I think that's they're going to accept that commitment whenever he's ready to go. Um, so that's one to watch. I think if you get through this weekend, I think Kentucky should feel pretty good.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I uh, didn't think that you could – make a six he's listed arrivals a six eight three thirty i don't know if that's Mm -hmm. entirely true but Keontae, that picture Keontae makes him look kind of small i mean yeah i don't think ryan's six eight my man but um
1: (laughs) kiante's big i mean he's every bit of six nine i've seen him in person he is six nine i think so I, i bears probably between six five and six six i would imagine but still not small not a small human being
0: Right, right. He's a big old boy. Goodwin does not make <laughs> Yeah, he didn't look like he a big old help.
1: boy. Yeah, standing next to him. Right.
0: Yeah, gosh. That that's a guy that it's gonna be like the Aaron Judge Altuve pictures. We're gonna get a lot of pictures. Uh, it started with Keontae hugging Wandale at his commitment. He's gonna make some guys look really tiny over the next few right. years. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt. So, you mentioned commitments, not having much. We did have one pop off that was kind of a surprise. Uh, Michael Williams, the five star defensive end from South Georgia. He was actually, I think it was going to be this upcoming weekend. He yes. was planning on officially visiting Kentucky uh, and instead just decides he's going to commit to USC after officially visiting the Trojans. Uh, like it normally, When five-star guy commits elsewhere, it worries me. But I'm I'm more just bummed the official isn't happening right away, but it doesn't actually concern me too much that he's committing now.
1: Yeah, this one was always going to be hard for Kentucky for multitude of reasons. He's right there on the Georgia-Alabama border. He's a five-star prospect. Uh, You know, that's a lot of big fish in that area. You're going to want that kid. Um, the USC commitment surprised me because, like that's really you're going there. That's not necessarily like USC's big name, but it's not what it, what it once was. And to hold on to him is going to be really hard for you to see. Like I could see a decommitment coming. Um, Kentucky, I don't, I don't think they should get out of it. I mean, it's just going to be a a very long shot for them to get him. Um, but you, if you can get him on campus in the season for an official visit, who knows? Um, but that's one to one to work on. But but. I'd be willing to bet that Michael Williams isn't playing for USC next year. Right, right. I think it'll so, probably be some uh, somebody in the SEC front pr- footprint um, that maybe get a big late flip. My money would probably be on Georgia if they really want him. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But I, they, they, it just was kind of out of left field. all you committed to USC, <laughs> but uh, they're they're making some waves. I will give them that. This recruiting class they've got going is pretty good so far. We'll see. If they have a big year, maybe they can hold on to him. But, yeah, that was kind of a crazy moment.
0: Yeah, and I, I know part of it is because his brother is Michael Trigg, who is out at USC. Uh, UK. Oh, I didn't know they were, they were their brothers. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I don't know how and all that. Like, and Especially Trigg lived elsewhere, so it could be half-brother, stepbrother. I don't know. But he's always referred to as brother in articles. So there's a connection there uh, Okay, that at least probably sparked this but you're right. Like when you've got what 1500 miles between yourself and that school, if things aren't going well there and they start going well elsewhere. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of time between now and December. So, uh, I, like you said, I just hope Kentucky can get a, an official out of that for, you know, maybe the LSU weekend or something like that. That could be, that could at least get you in the hunt. Um, uh, but nevertheless, it's, like you said, it' gonna be tough no matter what. Tough slide and getting a five star in South Georgia, but I, I, I'm at least not too bothered by a, a USC commitment from a kid from the South, you know, and just that doesn't bother me too much. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm I'm curious your thoughts because two guys that are committed to Kentucky, Keaton and Destin Wade, you were in Lexington to watch them work out last Wednesday. I got to just start up front because this is the, the burning question. Everybody wants to know. Can Destin Wade sling it? Can he can he throw the football? Destin Wade has, he has,
1: I would say, the arm talent. I would say he has the velocity. There are accuracy concerns and ball placement concerns, I think, throwing-wise. Now, can he get that fine-tuned? Well, I mean, we'll see. But I do think he, like, you could see it as a prospect. If, like, long-term, I could see if some things broke right for him, I could see him playing quarterback at Kentucky. But, I mean, there is just – there are some things he needs to work on. Like, he threw the ball 12 times a game last year. That's kind of a sign, to me Mm -hmm. at least. I want to see him as a senior really jump jump that up um, because the numbers are good. I mean, he had a high completion rate, high yards per attempt number, but it just wasn't very many attempts, so – I want to see those numbers go up. Um, I think he's got, he's always got some major tools. And I kind of compared him to Desmond Ritter coming out of high school. I think they're very similar in a lot of ways. So we'll see. And Ritter's having a great career at UC. Um, but I think getting a quarterback in 2023 is a really, really important. I'll put it that way. They need to get a guy <laughs> they feel really comfortable with in that class because there's definitely in the, in the back of their head, there's definitely a thought like this, you know, we're going to give him a shot, but there's definitely a chance he can move positions when he gets to Lexi. There.
0: Right, right, right. And it's one of those things that um, depending on how good you feel about the 2023 quarterback that you let Cohen recruit in is, you know, can can that that's how long you can. Weighed out to see if Wade's worth it or not at quarterback. Like may, maybe you're willing to give him a little more time to develop if you don't have a guy that you think can be the guy in 23.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be very paying close attention to how he does this year as a senior in a normal season. Um, with, a, you know, last year, you know, your prep got messed up. Apparently, mm-hmm. you're seeing because you didn't know. So you probably start doing, stop doing some of the workouts and stuff. So that could, that could have stunted a lot of kids' development throughout the country, um, and all the, some of these high school prospects. So getting back more on a normal routine, um, getting feedback from college coaches, I think more now, especially that he's committed of stuff to work on, um, I'm going to be very interested to see how he does this year. Um, because if he, takes, if he takes a big step, then I think you can you can really see it then, potentially. Um, but for, for the time being, there, I just think there, there there needs to be some jumps he needs to make before – that I can really see that happening, I guess, would be the best way to put it. But regardless, 2023 is important. It's hugely important. It's Cohen's first – you know, he's – like he he was behind the eight ball when he got here for the 2022 class. And Kentucky had all their eggs in the Wimsat basket, so he didn't really get a chance to go out and mm-hmm. find a guy. Well, now he's had time to find a guy, and he, Kentucky needs to hit on that because that's why – that's part of the reason he was hired. It's to score points, but it's also to recruit the quarterback position.
0: In develop quarterbacks. And I I think the one thing you, you hit on is important. It was uh, like, I know uh, it might sound a little uh, idealistic and corny to be like, man, it's good to see that those kids just want to they're already committed. They don't need to camp, but they're going to do it anyway. This is that just shows the fighting spirit they have. Well, I think it's, I don't want to say necessary, but for Wade to take that level as a passer, he needs to have some time getting some top-level instruction, and Liam Cohen can provide that. So hopefully Cohen not only gave him some medicine to take that day, but also to to work on regularly to say, okay, here's what we need you to kind of do to to help with the accuracy stuff. Because I'm sure some of it is very little things, ball placement, release point, uh, Fallen through in your hips, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think a lot of that uh, can be done at home on an individual basis. So, uh, hopefully, that that one day can can turn into, uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to say it's responsible for a breakout season, but hopefully, they can they can turn that little bit of stuff into something positive. So. Uh, but I know like you yeah, said, Yeah, I think it
1: I think it just shows just
0: Oh, you got it. Going, going. It just
1: shows up. yeah, it just shows why you like them as prospects. Um, that they're willing to do something like that. They're they're willing to learn, they're willing to work, putting them in work. I think they're very excited about about those kids. I mean, Keaton Wade is a good looking prospect, um, at a position they need help in, um, because of the past drift issues they're kind of having. And there was a point in camp where he, he went to like an outside rush move. It didn't work. And so Brad white took him aside and like basically worked with him. Like when you, like you, when you set this up, you sh- you know, you're going to have an inside spin available to you. Um, if you, you know, do something a certain way, it's going to be wide open. And so they worked on that for a couple of minutes. And the next rep, he did it. He did it and executed it to a T. Mm, so awesome. I think that's, that's a very good sign that showed some, I think, some definite football intelligence and um, being able to learn quickly on the fly. Um, obviously, there's stuff he needs to work on and whatnot, but I thought that was good to see. Um, and then I think Destin took coaching really well from Cohen and was pretty um, pretty open to you know feedback or whatever he was receiving from the coaching staff. So I think that was good to see. And there was a rec- receiver there, um, Sawyer Deerman was this white kid out of Alabama who was probably the best uh, player at the camp outside of the Wade's. Um, and the one time I saw him and Destin hook up, it was on a deep ball down the sideline and way delivered a pretty good ball. And the guy made a really good catch against tight coverage. Cause a lot of this, you know, you're going to these camps sometimes and sometimes these receivers are who you're throwing to or not. Right. You're as good as your quality, I guess would be the right <laughs> term. And basically, and you're not used to throwing these guys either. Yeah. Um, right. So, um, so to see that when he played, when he, you got to get, got the best guy, who was covered pretty well and you still connected, I thought that was a good sign. Um, so there was – there was overall, I, I didn't have anything bad to take away from the from the Wade Twins, seeing them at camp. Uh, I think they passed what my expectations of them were, and I think Keaton is a guy to get really excited about to potentially play as a true freshman because mm, of the help absolutely. they needed at that position. And I just think that kid, he seems like he's going to be ready to take coaching well if he can come in and just kind of absorb it all early. I think he's a guy that could – potentially help as a freshman
0: yeah and because he definitely has the body to you know it's an mm-hmm. sec ready body so uh that that certainly won't be a problem uh not too different than, than jj weaver um except weaver weaver was a, a lot more raw in that you know no offense yeah. to more one high thing i'll say with weaver but, yeah <laughs> i mean come on
1: weaver had more like he has more um just point of attack striking ability um and to hold up like i when i, I saw him out of high school like there is that rawness there, but it was more like I could see this guy being a dominant run defender. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to take time for him to be a pass rusher. Like with Wade, I can easily picture him being a very good pass rusher. I think he's got some of the quick twitch edge stuff that you need around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got some short area quickness like he showed on that inside spin move I saw at camp where he could get inside. I think where he has more I think tools as a pass rusher I guess would be the right way to put that. So that's that's a big reason why I think he could potentially play because if, he, if he's got those you can just put him in there, you know, third and twelve or whatever, and let him just go,
0: let, let know, him just ride. go rush the passer. Right. You know? um, I, uh, I I do want to let you have the floor for a moment though to talk about the twenty three quarterbacks we mentioned Wade. I know next you, you'll obviously get a much better idea next week because the guys there's quite a few. So if if you can kind of go through with this, some of the. The dudes that are out there uh, who are going to be working out this week, because hell, you'll have a much uh, better bar. You've got a nice baseline with Wade, and now I know Chris Parson is one of those guys uh, who's going to be there Wednesday. Uh, shout out to the Florida State that was a hilarious kind of meet and greet, like really giving the kid a round of applause as he shows yeah. up. Like that's a bit that was that was a bit much, but so Parson will be there. Who who else is going to be on campus to work out this this upcoming Wednesday?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll start with there's really three quarterbacks. I think we really need to focus on here. Um, we'll start with the two of them that are working out um, w- Wins this Wednesday at camp. Um, Chris Parson um, is another Nashville kid. He's over in Brentwood at Ravenwood High School. Um, you turn on the tape, Nick, and it's I mean, it's pretty good. This is a dual threat quarterback who can move around. He's got a really live arm um he's completing deep vertical passes some on the move and he's throwing receivers open like it's in a really impressive tape he's going to be a four-star prospect um but he he's gone his third high school in three seasons Ew. he lived in texas went to went to a, um i'm trying to think the school he went to in texas it's a uh, dunkerville in texas went there as a freshman backed up jaquindon jackson who went on to texas but is now at utah he's transferred since then um when Jackson gets injured. He played. Chris Parson comes in and plays in the semifinals and state championship game as a freshman, um, and played played okay. But they end up losing the state championship game. They were undefeated. They were probably the best team, but they end up losing there in the title game. He transfers to another school. Um, kind of has spot duty there in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and now he's at a school in Nashville. Um, haven't really figured out why, but that's that's something you know. You know the Kentucky school Chef is going to have to find out why is he at his third high school in three years. It could be as simple as his family just moved. Yeah, yeah, but but that's something to find out. But he's got some big league tools, but a lot—I mean, a lot of schools are going to be in on him. So if I can tell, really, what this all about is right now, they have to find a guy or two that they're really going to zone in on and recruit hard for these next eight months, and to try to land a commitment from. Um, so they have to figure out now if you if Parsons that guy, there's going to be some really really stiff competition for him. Um, now he's visited. TCU has offered him Virginia Tech. He just visited Florida State today. Florida State might be the big one, I think, in that. And then he's coming to Kentucky on Wednesday. So he's a kid with a lot of tools, um, but we'll have to see there. I um, the other kid coming on Wednesday is Brock Lynn, um, who last week um, we spoke to after he offered, um, found out some interest. I'm going to speak with him later this week, so we will have something on the website, so just make sure. Uh, you're tuned in for that, but this kid—he's got offers from Memphis, Cincinnati, Kentucky—was his, really his big first offer. Um, mm-hmm. He's got some really good numbers. Um, he's out in Memphis, like a private school in Memphis, the same school I think BCA went to. Oh, so I mean, we'll see. I, I'm very, I'm very excited to see him throw um, because he did have kind of a funky release on tape, but I thought his numbers were the best out of all of them. So I'm, I'm interested to see him kind of throw next to Parson. Um, because if he looks like in the same realm as Parson, I think that could be really good things. That could be a guy Kentucky made, got on early before everybody else realized. And the thing that's really jumping out to me um, with Glenn is he told me earlier that um, Oklahoma, there's interest in him getting to a camp at Oklahoma.
0: And, huh. that, and <laughs> if and there's Link, somebody that knows quarterbacks, I think Lincoln Riley's right. got a nice like, little track record. Like here.
1: this kid is not going, not in the, he's not going to Oklahoma but like, that's a really good sign to me. If Lincoln Rileys and that's what's something I'm going to try to find out more when I talk to him on the phone is Lincoln, if Lincoln Riley's really interested in him, that, that that's, that's a really good sign. And then that's going to make my eyes pop even more when I watch him throw. So I'm very interested to see this kid throw when he comes to Kentucky on Wednesday. And then the third guy really is Christopher Fazina. He's a quarterback out of Birmingham. He's, he's probably got all the measurables. I mean, he's a six foot four pocket passer. Um, he looks and plays kind of like Ryan Tannehill is what would kind of be my comp to him. Um he's got a really big arm. He on, on tape, he throws deep fades very well. Mike Leach just offered him, he pinned a Mississippi state offer. So it's seeming like that could be Hmm. the competition there. Um, so, so we'll see how that goes, but Kentucky really kind of, they went, um, they went pretty deep with him when he arrived on Friday. And I think they really tried him hard to get him on campus and they finally were able to get him on. It wasn't for a camp, but to start building that relationship. That, to, If I had to bet, that would be my guy that they maybe would zone in on as of right now. I think um, Cohen really likes him a lot. Um, some of bigger schools have shown interest. Um, he was at Georgia for a camp recently. I think George, it might be a thing with Georgia where they might put him on the back burner type thing. Right. Yeah, and then he's going to Florida this weekend, I believe, for a camp. So let's see how if he gets out of what happened. Let's see what we hear on if he gets out of there. Um, and Notre Dame is interested too. He went to Notre Dame as well, so that's one to watch too. But for as of right now, it seems like Kentucky, Mississippi State, are the two there to monitor. But really, um, I think of those three guys. Like if I had to bet right now, I'd say one of those three would be Kentucky's quarterback. I think Parson is a wild card, but he's a talented wild card. We'll see. Like when he gets on campus, how how they you know how the relationship goes, right? But if but it definitely feels like Vecina and Brock Lynn are the two guys that could be Kentucky's quarterback in twenty twenty three. One of the two.
0: Okay, okay, I I, I like the idea of like Viz, Vizina. I guess Vizina is how you would say his name. That has a very kind of quarterback. That and like they they all have good quarterback names. Yeah, like there was one kid that we saw at a camp whose name was Gus and Gus had a great mullet, but you can't be a quarterback in your name, Gus. So mm-hmm. um, but like Brock Glenn, that dude's got a square jaw and like he just winks and women like faint, you know, I mean, like yeah. they, very good quarterback name. So uh, this is basically this mullet- two first
1: names is usually a good telltale sign. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, Brock, Glenn, yeah. you got two first names. That feels
0: like a quarterback for sure. Have you ever met a Glenn, though? Like, it's just a first-name Glenn? I don't think I've ever met a first-name Glenn guy. I
1: want to say I have, but I can't think of one. I want to say somebody up at St. Rito had the first name was Glenn.
0: I think there's, like, a Glenn car dealership. That's the last name. Brock, though, is definitely a football guy. name. Like, Yeah, that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Most likely a linebacker. Uh, uh, Brock Heward was a quarterback, correct, back That's in correct. the
1: day? hmm
0: Yeah. He's actually pretty good at announcing, but the blonde hair just uh, kind of like I, I don't know. I get like my Joel clad or uh uh what what's his stupid face? Um who's the guy that everybody hates? Gosh. Danny Canell. Yes, that one. Yeah, gosh, yeah. And so the 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 blonde hair does kind of throw me off a little bit. Um, but you know what? I can. I, I, I can I can learn to in uh, none of those guys have blonde hair. I was just thinking of Brock Huard. Like I, Danny Cannell's blonde hair makes me skeptical of Brock Huard. Does that make sense? I think that makes. Yeah, sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Suck at Danny Cannell, um, which, by the way, <laughs> we're due. We're, we're well overdue for a bad Danny Cannell thing. So I'm just I'm a spidey sense is tinkling, uh, tingling. Uh, just get ready to see a bad Danny Connell take coming around the corner.
1: <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be long. Should be
0: long. And one yeah.
1: other thing, Nick, I want to get hit on.
0: Okay. Hit, no, um, Kamari no.
1: Landers is an offensive lineman from Michigan.
0: hmm He's pretty good too. And, if I'm not mistaken. Nick, and yeah, yeah,
1: he was. Um, he's a three-star kind of guy. He's going to be in camp, participating and working out for Kentucky. Um, it seems like it's down to Kentucky, Michigan State, but I think Kentucky wants to see him work out in person. So he could be a guy kind of competing for a scholarship there Wednesday. So that's another guy I'm going to try to watch while I'm there for a little bit. Um, so that's named to monitor. And he's then uh, I think – He's Clint, talked to
0: Zach before, was real, go and I, I was just – I hate to interrupt you, but he Zach got the vibe that Landers is kind of all in on Kentucky. So you're right. I think that this could be a kind of like a a, a proving ground for him on Wednesday.
1: Right, and, um, and then I think recently we're seeing a clean scale, mainly in Nashville, really make some moves. Ethan Chris was a guy, I believe, at the first camp. They got a lot of attention from the coaching staff. His recruitment has blown up since then. He's so got Indiana, Missouri, Florida, and then Michigan offered on Sunday. Um, and that, that's in the metro Nashville area. That's where Clink scale recruits. Diarco Perkins McAllister, he was scheduled to visit Kentucky – Klinkscale leaves, he doesn't visit. Steve Klinkscale, or excuse me, Steve Wiltfong uh, issues a crystal ball for Perkins McAllister to go to Michigan. Um, so he's he's really hitting that area hard. And if Kentucky's devoted to recruiting that area, that there's going to be a lot of recruiting battles with him. Um, so I think that's just something to monitor, that, that he's really hitting that area hard for Michigan um, as we move forward.
0: Hey, and that's why they're paying the big bucks to go there uh, is to, to mm-hmm. kind of recruit who he was recruiting. So uh, I don't think anybody should be surprised to see those recent developments. Um, yeah, like we've we've almost made it to the end of the busy recruiting June recruiting month. I know that they're going to be having some more official visitors in this last weekend. I admittedly uh, do not have all of my players circled on who's visiting because I will be visiting another, vi- I'll, I'll be visiting a vacation spot. So I'm ready to kick my feet up. The coaches, they're probably going to wait till 4th of July to take a day or two off. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, it's been crazy for them, but I know that 4th of July though, that's somehow become a crazy recruiting weekend. And I don't know why, like, I get I get kids – wise, yeah, for sure. I get why kids want to do you know like the big barbecue at their you know with their family and friends, but I don't understand like they realize nobody's on their phone, you know. Like you don't you don't get the bump on Fourth of July that you would on another day. Yeah, I, I remember
1: Cash Daniel. He 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 committed on the Fourth of July. There was somebody last year who did it. I feel like it's happened like three years in a row or something like that.
0: I don't. <laughs> I don't I don't like it. I don't because I mean come on, it's fourth of July. Like let's let's just hang out and have a good time. We right. don't need to be we don't need to be writing reports. Uh like journalists, let's have a day off too.
1: No kidding for sure.
0: It's <laughs> me. Uh, if you in case you folks couldn't tell, uh we're it's been a technical difficulty episode. I'm trying to reach the finish line before vacation after a crazy June month. But hey, we're gonna get there. We're we're making the finish line, damn it.
1: We are. This time in a month, we'll be in Hoover, man.
0: Oh, man. It's right around the corner. i will be here before you know it. It will be here before you know it. Well, will like it. I'm going to get out of here before the internet says you all can't ever record ever again. Uh, of course, there were hiccups on the 100th episode of 11 Personnel. But would it be 11 Personnel without a hiccup or two? I don't think so.
1: Yeah. You got to keep it uh, in tradition for sure. <laughs>
0: Oh man! Well, this has been a joy. Uh, we appreciate y'all for for tagging along with us, uh, Luckett. I hope you enjoy your time up in Lexington this week, folks. Keep it locked. Follow him at Adam Luckett KSR for all your coverage from the last bit of Kentucky camps, and make sure you're following Zach for recruiting info. I'm going to be out of pocket for most of the end of the week, but uh, we'll be back here next week. Next week with more eleven personnel. The 101st edition. Until then, stay cool, my friends. And as always, go Cats, go Kroger.